Across the Streams podcast track guide. Uh, excited today to have a, a coach I met down at the NCAA uh, West Region Combine this past July. Coach Garrett Kelly of the NBA Assistant Coaching Program uh, joining me today. Get a sit down with him. Nice interview. Talking about his history in the industry, things he's noticed, uh, things he's picked up on while being in, in the NBA game these last three, four years. Also his uh, time in Division One, both as a player, as a coach, in the Canadian Basketball League as a coach. So really a good basketball hoop-centered uh, coaching philosophy uh, experience today with Coach Garrett Kelly. Uh, a couple reminders for you with Kane being in season, Montana State got rolling last week with cross the country college football in general. Uh, be more of me and more of guests on here just because of that. You guys know college football coaches, I mean, it's a 5 a.m. to 11 p.m. grind, and I'm sure high school coaches out there aren't far behind. So, uh, a lot of me on here coming up. We did have a great opportunity to sit down with uh, Nathan Wall, head football coach, Skyview High School, Kevin Morales, head basketball coach, Skyview High School. That'll be that's up on our Instagram, our SoundCloud, our Facebook, our Twitter right now. Great coaching philosophy uh, discussion between myself and those two guys. Uh, I had Jack Martino on here last week as well for a useless full information. NBA free agency debrief. Uh, the Boogie Cousins injury that happened last week we didn't get to talk about because it happened the next day. So the fallout for the Lakers obviously is something that would change. But that was a good discussion with Coach. And also if you haven't heard my NCAA debrief when I spent a week in Phoenix at Grand Campus of Grand Canyon uh, University coaching a lot of top flight guys uh, great great time for me and I talked about it on one of our podcasts edition on the drive segment when I got back so a lot of content up uh, like I mentioned on our SoundCloud on our Twitter um, at on our Instagram on our Facebook cross the streams podcast CTS podcast on Instagram it's a great time the great feature on Instagram you can just click on the story and get the audio that way but here comes coach Garrett Kelly in my interview coming up next Cross the Streams podcast, back coming to you Tuesday, August 20th. As I mentioned kind of in the intro, um, I'm going solo for a while when Kane's in season. Boy, it's hard. I mean, his kid, my, my, my sister-in-law and my niece rarely see him, so me trying to get him on the podcast is damn near impossible. But I do got a great guest today, a guy I had the, the, the pleasure of meeting and getting to work with over a week in July in Phoenix. Coach Garrett Kelly's joining us. We're going to have a good time talking hoops, talking coaching, talking heat in Phoenix, all kinds of things. But, Coach, how are you, my friend? I'm doing great, Coach. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Uh, we had a great time out in Phoenix. And, Absolutely. Uh, looking, looking forward to catching up. Hey, I think you are. I talked about it on the debrief episode of the NCAA Combine that we both got to work on Grand Canyon University's campus. I think you were the one whose shoes actually melted. Yeah, I know. <laughs> they are, they are, there is no traction on the Adidas pair of sneakers that I had. Or, uh, like, walk-around shoes. There. Was that your oh, first man. time in Phoenix? Was that the first time you'd been there? Um, I, I had been there as a young young lad a long time ago, but that was my first time as an adult in the summer in yes. Phoenix and spending time outside walking around. <laughs> yes. And I think I think I found a way since we've been back, and that was the end of July for Coach and I and a bunch of other great coaches we got to work with. I think since I've been back, I've found a way to mention how fucking hot it is in Phoenix in every conversation I've had. I don't know how it just yeah. it has stuck with me. Yep, it is. Uh, it left an impression, and, uh, <laughs> but it was cool because it, it was like the dry heat, so it almost sounded like. You know, not that any of the coaches there have ever smoked a cigarette in their life, but it sounded like everybody was smokers. Yes. Like, a after the first day and a half, everybody's lost their voice. And, right. And, like, horse shouting at people. Yep. And, like, Our communication was evil either. Yes, the and I think coach like going back to that. You and I met. I think we were in just sitting on the couches enjoying air conditioning for the first time in the first day intro. And it's yeah. one of those things that you know you talk to your players, you talk to people like opportunities when you're around other coaches or other people in your industry. You got to strike up a conversation. And I think we started with the heat, and that led into us meeting each other and the other coaches in the area. But, you know, for you, talk about the experience down there. You know, I know it's a week, it's hard to summarize, but I just really enjoyed 
not only the basketball part, because all of the, obviously all of us are all lifers in terms of we'd love to be around the game, but I just like the humans. You know, I like the coaches. I like the kids that we got to coach. Um, I, I, I just really like the human interaction down there. How was it for you? Oh, I agree 100%. It was uh, it's summer basketball camp, and the people that haven't been to it or worked it, they don't understand. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I worked hundreds of them. I did Gary Williams camp for a long time. I did Bob Huggins camp, Luke Cooper Elite, uh, mostly East Coast stuff. Yeah. But I, you know, the camp is really tough, um, like getting into it. But once once you accept the fact that, hey, we're going to be here for eight, nine, ten days, whatever it is, we've got a week of camp, you know, you're around a bunch of people that love the game, mm-hmm. and you're around a bunch of young kids that want to get better, and you're around a bunch of coaches that have all come from all different backgrounds and different experience levels. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. I love it. I absolutely love it. I mean, I did, when I was at Siena, I was camp director, and we had 350 kids for three straight weeks. Right. Yep. And, you know, the check at the end of it is like, that's my money for the off season. So yeah. at the end of it, it's like this huge wash of relief, but during it, it's just like, you know, it's, it's a crazy, yes. crazy stretch of weeks, as you know, running a camp. Yep. It's like every parent has their own complaint. Every kid <laughs> has a different allergy thing. And and when the kids pay for the camp, they have all the complaints. They have yep. all the leverage. Yep. How come the so, dorms are hot? How come we can't get better food you know, in the cafeteria? Why is that? Why is that? It, and, and then you have to try to force them to go hard and do all this stuff. But I, that's what the NCAA Academy camp was so great, I thought, yeah. because they, they've been invited. They are paid to come out here. Yeah. And, you know, I don't think everybody that was at our Phoenix camp was a Division One player by any stretch of the imagination, but they got treated like one. Yes. And I think that is, that is a really cool thing. Like, right. I, I, was, I wasn't a high-level player, so for somebody to ever treat you like one, it makes you feel really special, yep. and it makes you feel like you're being recruited. Yep, and it's a it's a really cool feeling, right? And you could see it on a lot of the parents. I mean, all the parents were extremely appreciative. All the kids were very well behaved, um, and for the most part, the kids went hard. You know, yeah. that to me was the camp that I heard my dad telling me about growing up. Like, yes, you got you guys don't know summer camp. It was 120 degrees. <laughs> we had to walk five miles and yeah. play in 15 stations and games. I'm like, well, you know what? Actually, that was it. Right. That was. It was a pretty legit week for those kids, and um, you know everybody's got complaints about today's player, just like people complain about us when we yep. were playing and then before that. So it's never going to stop on that. The complaining from the coaches about the players right. and the style of play, but I thought the kids got after it. Yeah, um, it, it was unique to work with the high school age kids, the 16, 17 year olds, mm-hmm. uh, and kind of see where they're at. Um, but that that was a full couple of days of basketball for each session with those kids, and they, they got they got a handful. They got all they asked for. Yep. And for you, it sounds like a, a similar. I had it interesting just going into it, being a college coach. You know, you're coming from college level, and you know the, the next level. I was interested just for me, like, hey, I'm coaching D three, and I love my guys, but supposedly the kids we're going to coach in that week are supposed to be more talented. And granted, some of them absolutely were. But I, I was, it was really, I was like uplifting and, and rewarding for me. Like these kids got the same issues that my guys do on a daily basis. Oh, you yeah. know what I mean? Oh, yeah. The two kids that don't yep. go hard enough, the two kids that are all in would run through a wall for you. And the other six are somewhere yep. in the middle. Uh, but how was that yep. for you? Because I know it's a younger age group than you were used to. Yeah, same thing. I mean, it, 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 it's, it's always basketball. So whether it's, you know, six to eight-year-old boys or girls and 28 to 38 year old men that get paid to do it. it they have the same issues. Mm-hmm. There's the same problems throughout a game, turnovers, not getting back on defense, not helping, not being in a stance. It's all that stuff. But it's just, I, it took me a day, it took me to the second session to be like, all right, I need to get my shit together yeah. because, you know, I got to give these kids my best stuff. Right. And I, I don't think I did the first session. My head was spinning a little bit, but. I settled down in the second one, and I think I was a little more organized. Like, hey, this is what we're running. Yeah. You know, I tried to be a little more free with the first group. Like, hey, you're going to play the, the four for us today. And the kid's like, I, I like to play point guard. I'm yeah. like, okay, well, I want, I want you to play what you want to show you could do. So I'll let you run some point guard. Mm-hmm. But then I see him play point guard, and I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> yes. These, you're going back to Right. So with the second group, I was a little more forceful. I'm just like, hey, this is what you got to do. Just play this role for the next two days. Play it to the best of your ability. 
you know, we'll get some after timeout stuff for you to show that you can dribble yeah. or show that you can shoot or whatever it might be. But but let's focus on getting back on defense, being in a stance, and stopping the ball. And if we do that, you're going to show some stuff to a college coach that he's going to say, wow, I, I, that I can build off of. Yes. And then, you know, offensively, this, this these guys play so much basketball, uh, especially with AAU, but club sports and, you know, just throughout the year, pick up and all that. They play so many games that they're pretty familiar with, like, once the game starts going, about how to get their points and how to yeah. go about doing stuff. It's more so the execution and, you know, a little more of the detailed uh, valuing the ball and valuing a defensive possession more so than than what they're used to because they right. used to just, hey, we'll just get it, we'll get it back in the next game or the next possession. And yeah. That was pr- pretty much what I lost my voice on was yelling at them to get back. No, I do remember. I think we were playing in Grand Canyon, the big arena, and that was, uh, you were, yeah. you were, that was your corner for sure. Yeah. And I went in. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like they, they draw a line in the sand at half quarter at the free throw line, and they're just trying to get a steal. Right. And it's like, no, it's just one crossover, and the guy's laying it up, and we all look foolish because we couldn't get back. But, no, I, I loved it. I yeah. had uh, the first session, I had probably one high major player and then a couple maybe mid-major ones. Mm-hmm. And, th- and then the second session, I had uh, another high major player that's going to NC State. Um so he's an ACC level player, yeah, which is kind of cool. For sure. Um, and he was a really nice kid. I enjoyed working with him. And a couple other ones that were uh, mid-major players, for sure. Yeah. And they're just kind of like, um, you know, I, I definitely get a lot of pleasure out of working with the young person and having him not sure of what he's at, like what he's capable of. Mm-hmm. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, I, I'm not sure if I can play it at, you know, you know UC Santa Barbara. And then after watching the play, it's like, yeah, you absolutely yeah. can, man. You just fo- focus on these two things this summer. Get yourself in shape and, and shore up this. Yeah. And, you know, work on this, whatever it might be. But you're absolutely that level. Yeah. And uh, I forgot how much fun that is to be able to talk to a parent and a, and a player and be like, hey, your son is a very talented young man. He's got to keep focusing and working on this. You know, here's a little blueprint for the rest of the summer and for next year. But he, he's got a great chance to go on and do exactly what he what he's dreaming of doing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and the, you know, the parents were also, uh, they were great. I mean, the, the four or five parents that I had, you know, private conversations with, they were just wonderful to talk yeah. to. And, and that stuff is refreshing because For sure. a lot of the times, if, you, if you're dealing with uh, high school age kids, there's some entitlement that goes with it. There's some parents that are, that just come to you with complaints and it, it can be like, Oh, here comes a parent. I got to deal with this. You know, them asking me about a mixtape or something. <laughs> uh, so for them yeah. to just come up to you wide, wide-eyed and say, hey, tell me what my son can do better. Tell me what I can do better on my end as a parent. And and them just hungry for information and, and using the NCAA Academy camp as a platform to uh, to help these young people. Is, it was really fun. I enjoyed that a lot. You know, I, I found a new, it was a kind of a refreshing role. I, I know you, you mentioned that that phrase, and I couldn't agree more. Because I wasn't, a, like for most of my players, were above my level of D3, right? So it was fun to be in kind of an advocate role for them. And even some follow-up since the camp from some of my guys that I coach. I coach, how do I get this in front of a coach? What does this message from a, a coach mean? So kind of not having to like try to be the salesman and just be like, hey, man. You're going to be okay. Here's how you navigate kind of the minefield, but with no agenda for me because I'm not going after the kid. That's been really fun. Yep. You know, that's been cool. And like you mentioned, you know, the, the people being thankful and expressing, hey, thank you for that tidbit. Thank you for that help. That's been a really cool byproduct uh, that I probably didn't even anticipate happening in that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I want to go ahead. Usually the young player is like, you know, what can I do for – they're, they're constantly thinking about their offensive game, which I understand. Yeah, that's right. the same for every level. Yep. But it's like my thing with all of them is just if you can prove to somebody that you want to be competitive on defense and that you have that mindset and then that ability and you're willing to give multiple efforts, that will stand out more than any step-back jump shot right. or crossover or – Anything you do on offense, it'll stand out more. And and if any of those kids, hopefully some of them listen to me, but if, if at least buy into that concept, then that will be their separator as they move forward. Yeah, like showing that they're they're a complete basketball player and they're willing to do both. 
the coach, take me through. I've got it in front of me, and I'm not going to read it all off because I want you to tell your story. Talk to me about your coaching journey because I definitely want to discuss where you're at now with the NBA assistant coaches program and, and, and that really unique setup that you've got. But you've been in a lot of places. You know, take us from college career as a hooper, you know, through Catholic, through Radford. I mean, you've been everywhere. Talk, just go. I'll yep. give you the mic, and if I've got questions in between, I'll let you. But I want to hear your story, and I know everybody else out there does too. Sure. I, uh, I grew up in North Carolina, Asheville, North Carolina, and um, I went to Loyola University of Maryland as an invited walk-on. It's a Division One school, and it was in the MAC Conference, Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference, um, and I walked on and then earned a scholarship my last year. Uh, I got to play for Coach Jimmy Passos, who was an old assistant for 15 years with Gary Williams mm. at the University of Maryland, and had won a national championship there and went to several Final Fours, I think three. Um, but when I was getting into college hoops, I, I was not a very good player, but my thought was I want to be around the best. I was obsessed with NBA. Mm-hmm. Like I want to be around a college coach that has been around NBA players, okay. you know, at the, co- at the college. Yeah. Team. So when this opportunity to walk on at Loyola came around, I'm like, all right, I'm taking that because Coach Patsos has recruited Steve Blake, Juan Dixon, oh, yeah. Chris Wilcox, Lonnie Baxter, just, the, just uh, you know, Francis, the, just just you know, the the main guys in the title team. Not a big deal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> these guys that are these are NBA players. These guys went on to have NBA careers. So I'm like, that's what I want. I want to be around that level of uh, for on a coaching standpoint. Yeah. I, I was relatively sure that I wasn't going to play much in college or much beyond for sure. So I'm like, I want to. I know I love basketball. Um, and I know I want to coach, and I want to learn from somebody that's seen the highest level of talent, gotcha. and I want to see how they, they go about it. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I love that experience. Loyola was great. Uh, we played in a really, really good basketball league. It's uh, pretty much a uh, New York, New Jersey uh, basketball league okay. or conference at the time. It has uh, Canisius and Niagara, two strong teams yeah. out in Buffalo. Um, it has Siena in Albany has Fairfield, uh, Manhattan, uh, Iona. Like a Fire, laundry list of uh, bubble bursters, right? Teams that go beat, oh yeah, beat yeah. good teams and, in the tourney. Are, yeah, and these are all, for the most part, Catholic schools. And I'm not sure if your guy's school has a religious affiliation. Uh, so um, a little bit but, with um, the Methodist Church, but not direct, not as much as those Catholic schools. Okay, well, the beauty of the Catholic Church is that they will forgive. So <laughs> it, it, if you are a player at a high level, let's say you're at Providence or Maryland or Notre Dame, uh, and you were to, let's say, get in trouble or something were to happen and you were to have to leave campus, the MAC conference schools, those Catholic schools, if you apologize for what you did, if you admit to it and apologize, they will let you in. <laughs> it's like and confession. Be, exactly. So that could be like, um, you know, bad grades or getting in trouble on campus or just, you know, yeah. nothing serious, of course, but... But just, you know, 17, 18, 19-year-old kids being what they are. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, in our league, we every team had at least one transfer from a high-major program. Uh, sometimes they would have two or three. Iona okay. would have two or three. Um, Coach Patsos had a, a, you know, a direct line from Maryland players. If they weren't happy or weren't getting the minutes that Gary Williams had promised them, they would transfer to Loyola and they'd get 25 shots a game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, so my first year with Loyola, we had a transfer from Notre Dame, Amari Israel, who was a stud. He had just had several injuries, so he wasn't the same athlete, mm-hmm. but he was still a really smart player and a good player. Uh, a guy from Providence, Gerald Brown, uh, unfortunately he just passed away this summer, oh, but no. he was one of the best players I've ever seen. He's phenomenal. Big guy from Maryland. You know, we had players from yeah. ACC, Big East, and they'd transfer there, and they just, you know, they ran the campus. They had a ball. You know, they were big man on campus. Yeah. Because um, these are no football schools? Is there no football on these campuses? No. No, yeah. they're mostly lacrosse or soccer. Okay. Really, they're basketball schools. Loyola happened to be a lacrosse school. They built a big lacrosse stadium, and then they changed conferences to go to the Patriot League. Um, but anyway, I finished up at Loyola. We, I played on some good teams with some good players, guys that went on to play professionally overseas. Um, and then I kind of got a feel for that. I was a, ran a scout team and okay. would be in the coach, be in the coach's office every day, 
um, you know, who do we got coming up next? What do they run? Yeah. Who's their best players? What are their strengths and weaknesses? And let me see the practice plan and show me how you do your scout. Let yeah. Me show, let me see the video before you show the team. And so I was just a basketball nerd, and I always <laughs> have been. Right. My thought was my thought was always like, no one is going to love this game more than me. Gotcha. And what I was naive about is there, there's a lot of people that love it just as much, though. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, as, as you get into the coaching right. world, you're like, oh, shit. Like, there are some maniacs out there. This here. is where and all of us lunatics uh, hang out in this industry. Exactly. So um, I think I definitely found my niche, but it's just uh, uh, it took me getting into coaching to see, like, oh, wow, I'm not that unique. Like, there is a lot of people that love this game. Mm-hmm. And, uh so uh, Coach Pathos had played at Catholic University, Division Three school. Um, they were in the landmark conference. I'm not sure what they're in now, but they're predominantly um, a top 25 program, I think. They, they've got a national championship in Division Three. Yeah. They've got a, yep. uh, several, several, you know, 25-plus win seasons and um, just a, a really legit, really good program in Washington, D.C., and uh, he set me up with a, basically a volunteer gig. He had an apartment that he kept, or at least a bedroom in an apartment complex that he kept that he rented to me for cheap. You know, I worked at a restaurant in the mornings, and then I went over to the campus in the afternoons and late into the evening, and then we'd just do it again the next day. Yeah. And, uh, absolutely loved it. Had a ball doing it. It was a slight change to go from playing Division One to coaching Division Three, so I could get out and play with the guys. Yeah. Um, and they, we had a good team. We had five seniors or six seniors. Uh, had an All-American who was a stud. We had a, a couple of future conference player of the year. Um, but we ended up being, I think we were 21 and six. Okay. And so it was a good year, but we were like 11 and one or 12 and one. And we're like ranked in the top 15 in the country. Uh, but we just ran into Scranton, University of Scranton, Pennsylvania team that just had our number. They beat us three times. Oh, sure. So. Yeah. Uh, at that young age, that, Coach, this is something that, I, that when you brought up that, hey, I could still play. Because I know when I got done playing here at Willamette and I was getting my MAT and I was a first-year coach, when did it hit you like, one, like I can still beat these guys. But two, it yeah. doesn't fucking matter. Like, does that make sense? Yeah. Like when that realization, because yeah. some days I'd be like, Coach, just let me, I'll fucking guard these guys and they'll get better. And he yeah. was like, do you want to be a coach or do you want to keep playing? Because you're going to have to teach yeah. them to no. guard that way, right? Yeah, no, I, I definitely had that speech given to me by Coach Howes. <laughs> um, but in reality, I wasn't that good of a player, so like I was had already bit that bullet. Gotcha. Like, I had already. You'd already, yeah, humbled yourself. Guy. Like so, yeah. When I'm playing, even on scholarship, like I know that my job is to get the team ready for Thursday night. Like yeah. it, it doesn't. I don't need to like rest until Thursday. Then I got to play. I got to bust my butt and practice and be great on the scout team so that the team feels prepared so they play well. Like, I was almost removed from it going in. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I, I actually got to start a few games my senior year, but really I had been been kind of like slowly but surely yes. pulled off of thinking like a real player. Gotcha, gotcha. And some, somebody that's being counted on to contribute. But right. No, I definitely, and like in terms of professionalism as a coach, I had to be taught that. Mm-hmm. Um, because the coaches I played for, like, they wore flip-flops to work. It was a very casual. Oh, gosh, gotcha, like, yeah. They were very free-flowing. Like, they did their coaches' meetings out at restaurants or at the bar, and they would, like, they were a very, like, kind of, uh, I don't know, like, hips the word, but they were just, like, a little more freewheeling, like, let's have fun and uh, style of coaching that gotcha. I, I enjoyed. I like it. It fits my style. Um but they're just they're just different from yeah. what I learned is the profession, which is like much more buttoned up, right? Much more we're meeting, we're having a three hour coaches meeting in the office, and yeah, um, that sort of thing. Gotcha. So from from Catholic, Catholic, I enjoyed that, but I wanted to get closer to the Division One to the scholarship level of college athletics, and uh, I had a friend that was a manager at Loyola who went went on to be a graduate assistant at VCU when they went to the final four. And and then he got, he got, he became the video coordinator with VCU from there. But everybody on that shock of smart staff went on to get head coaching jobs. Right. Literally, I think four or five guys have gotten head coaching jobs off of that staff. Is that amazing or what? Um, One run. And not, not that they weren't good. I'm not saying they didn't deserve it, but that's amazing. No, I agree. I mean, they, 
that deserved, I don't think has anything to do with it. It's a great line from uh, The Wire on HBO. It's just, <laughs> who's going to hire you? Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just, is there a president or an AD that likes what they did so much, and are you able to sell that? And then you get a job. Yeah. And if you win, then you're validated. If you don't, then you're going to be trying to get an assistant job. Somewhere. Right. Well, it's almost like the Sean McVay so, effect in the NFL with the Rams. Like, hey, did you yeah, golf with yeah, Sean McVay? Absolutely. You probably kill cover yep. four with your schemes. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And and but people fail to realize, especially the administrators in college athletics, is that what VCU had was yes, they had a very good team, but that that really wasn't uh, their roster. They had inherited most of that roster, mm. but they had a, a great athletic director and a great president, like, and that's what you need. You need that, that that vertical integration between the president of the school, an athletic director, a head coach, a staff, and a roster. Everybody's yeah. you know in the same groove. Right, but when you hire and pull that one assistant away, he's got no control. Now that he's the head coach, he's got little control over the roster because he's a new head coach, and then he's got an athletic director that we don't know anything about, and a president we don't know anything about. So, right, it, 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 you can't just say, "Oh, he's on that staff." Well, let's replicate what VCU does. It's very, very difficult. Yes, yes. Um, it's not just the press, got, is what you're saying. It's not just the one, two, two. Exactly. <laughs> it's a lot lot of other shit right but um i got uh to work with mike jones who was a first year head coach and he was phenomenal he's just grade a one across the board person human being father husband coach mentor everything he's just a man Mm -hmm. just a great great person and uh he brought me in as a video coordinator uh, for one year and then our director of operations left to go to University of Southern Cal and I got moved right up you know, no okay. questions asked no interview he just said yeah that's you mm. and uh, it was awesome yeah. we did two years I did two years at Radford we were took over the worst team in Division 1 they had won uh, three games the year before I think and um, uh, they were on sanctions from the NCAA oh. because of uh, some illegal things they were doing for recruits at, at a low-level Division One Big South school, which is ridiculous. But um, we, we built that program from scratch, basically, and had to, like, re-earn the trust of the community. And uh, he's just done a phenomenal Where's Radford job. at? Where, where is it located? It, it's in, uh, it's right by Blacksburg, Virginia. Okay. Um, so where Virginia Tech is. Gotcha. It's like, it's, like the, it's like the JV University next to Virginia <laughs> oh, Tech. God. Every, like you walk around campus at Radford and everybody has on Virginia Tech gear. Um, they're, they're just crazy about the Hokies down yeah. there. But, uh, but Mike Jones put in a program. Uh, he had a uh, recruiting class come in of six kids and they called themselves the Movement and they kind of like branded themselves. Yeah. It was really impressive. I yeah, like really that. Sharp. Yep. And uh, they changed it. They changed the whole culture. And by the time they were seniors, um, they were there's one really really great player, and then several really good college basketball players that became good college basketball players over years. Of uh, you know losing a lot of games and getting their head bumped a lot, and um, but they were able to have a culture in place six seniors, so that when the next couple recruiting classes came in, like I don't think I was gone at that point, but I don't think Mike had to do as much coaching. I think it was just handled it. The, it was now, internal, yeah. Seniors, exactly. Like the locker room is, is very, very tight because you've got a group of older guys in there that are like, hey, we've been through the lumps. We've got a good program now. We're winning 18, 20 games a year. This is how we do things. Yeah. This is how we yeah. go walk. This is how we do walk through. This is how we do weight. This is how we do conditioning. Uh, you know, this is how we take care of our business off the court in terms of going to class or meetings or tutors. Or, and they're able to check themselves. Mm-hmm. And then you have, that's, to me, that's how you build a program. Yeah, is there, there's a culture within the locker room and within the program of this is how we do things and the players are leading the way. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so they, they, they've gone through great things. They won 22 games in a row, which is a school record, uh, two years in a row. Um, I don't know if you watched any of the Summer League, but uh, there's a guy with a long consulting Summer League, Javante Green. Mm-hmm. Uh, He's a Radford kid? Yeah, he, he was one of our first recruits. Oh, okay. And, uh, He's went over to Italy and Germany and played in these lower lower tiered leagues and just kept kept with it. He's a phenomenal athlete, and a phenomenal person, and uh, he got a two year deal with the Celtics. I think it's one year's guaranteed. So. Oh, that's right. Guarantee behind yeah, any yeah. number is fantastic. 
a one year, I think, of guaranteed money will change. Uh, you know, he's got, I think, two little girls. So I think it's going to change their lives. Right. So, so that uh, place, it sounds phenomenal. What made you leave? Uh, I was director of operations, and uh, my former coach that I played for, Coach Patos, had just left uh, Loyola and took the job at Siena. Oh, okay. Which gotcha. I, was very, I was very familiar with in our conference, and they um, that was back when Fran McCaffrey was the coach when I was playing at. He was at Siena. Okay. They won the league three years in a row. They went to the NCAA and beat Ohio State, beat Vanderbilt. Um, so he had built that program. It was already a good program, but he built it to another level. Yeah. Um, and so he left. One of his assistants took over, Mitch Bonaguru, and he didn't do very well. But it's it kind of like a sleeping giant. And uh, and honestly, I was just I was a young guy, Radford, Virginia. There wasn't much going on. Yeah. And I was a little bit antsy. You know, yep. I think we lost we lost like twenty four games or twenty two games my first year. I think we lost like eighteen my second. And I was just immature and young. Right, like, like all I, of us. I, I, I want to win more. I want to play for more. I want to do more now. Yeah. And I want to be somewhere where, where I can have more fun. It was just, uh, you know, looking back, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. For sure. And, yep. um, and Coach Jones and I still talk and have a good relationship, but it, I, I left him in a little bit of a lurch. Mm. And uh, I, I kind of, I don't regret it, but I kind of I wish I'd handled it a little bit better. Gotcha. But, uh, I got a chance to go back and work for the coach I played. Of course, for loyalty. Team. Yep. And uh, uh, and and you know, Sienna has forty two hundred season ticket holders. I mean, it, there, there's six thousand, yeah. seven thousand people in a game. Uh, we play uh, the crosstown rivalry game with the University of uh, New York at Albany, SUNY Albany School, and there will be fourteen thousand people. Oh my god! It, it's awesome. Right. So it, that kind of stuff is what kind of lured me but in. For sure. Um, it was uh, the, the job I had at Radford Havre was a full time job with benefits, and the Sienna job was only full time for eight months. And oh then my you gosh! Just deal and then you do camp money. And I was about to say that's so, where you got to go get the three hundred fifty ten year olds. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, unfortunately, that stuff is all set up though. Like I don't have to do any promoting of the camp. The camp sells out in a minute. I mean, it's just you just got to run uh, it. Oh wow! Yeah, you just got to direct it. And, yeah. Uh, now that was your hand, it was a handful, but it was worth it. And. Uh, so I was like bartending on the side. I was um, kind of responsible mainly for academics and travel okay. and video. Okay. And so I, to get like kind of scratch my coaching itch, I would you know do individual video with the players, and uh, you know I would get in the gym with them late at night. Don't tell mm-hmm. uh, you know, <laughs> Emerson or whatever his name is, right. the NCAA, but. You know I, I would do whatever I possibly could to get my coaching bug right. Fixed. In, but like when you're around a team and a group of players every single day, but you have you know little to no influence on the outcome of the game. That's tough. Or the outcome of how the players do, it, it got frustrating for me. Yeah. And, um, and you know, our first year at Siena, we turned the program around immediately. We came in there with so much energy, and uh, we just took the, the returning players and totally flipped them around. And they went from being guys that were down and out and weren't going to have a good career to having a great college career mm-hmm. and scoring a thousand points and like uh, getting all league honors and stuff. So that was really rewarding. And I love that. And we had a great time that first year. We had everybody coming back the second year. And it was just one of those years where like, you know, one kid gets hurt, another kid gets a suspension, uh, somebody else doesn't like somebody else. And, and all of a sudden you're like, wow, we have all this talent. Yeah. And we, we actually, we won a postseason uh, tournament, my first our first year, at like the CBI the or something. CBI. Yeah, yeah, we beat, beat Fresno State in the best of three series. It was awesome. Yeah, I mean, we had so much fun. We won twenty games. We won a postseason tra- championship, the first ever in the league's history, let alone the school's history. Um, you know, everybody in the community was thrilled. Season tickets are way up. Everybody's juiced up and ready. And then we kind of, I think we were five hundred our second year. It's just really disappointing. Mm-hmm. Um, but at that point, I kind of had some conversations with Coach Patos, and he's like, you know, what is it that you really want to do? And he really, really forced me to answer that question. And I had to, like, just be honest. I'm like, I, I want to be at the highest level. And if I can't be at the highest level, I want to be the head coach somewhere. Yeah. And he's like, okay, well, I'll, I'll help you, but you're not going to be that here. So, yeah. <laughs> um, I kind of, you know, I don't know if you've ever been in that situation, but, like, 
you're, you know, you're, my contract runs out at Siena and I'm not going back there. And so now you're on the job hunt again. And I had been four straight years of having some job security. And when I did change jobs, it was like literally the next day I started. So, um, it wasn't, you know, I, I hadn't gone through that job hunting right. search. Right. Um, so it, you, know, it's, you know how it is it's stressful and, uh, it puts a lot of pressure on you and it makes you second guess a lot of stuff. But I was, uh, just unbelievably lucky and met my uh, current mentor, Butch Carter, a former NBA head coach mm-hmm. for the Raptors. Uh, he was an assistant for the Raptors before that. He was an assistant for seven years, the Milwaukee Bucks before that. He was an assistant at uh, university of Dayton and, uh, long university of long Island, California, LIC, where it was called, uh, um, Long Beach, Long Beach University. Okay. Um, and, then, and before that, he was a high school head coach, uh, and then he was an NBA player for six or seven isn't years. Isn't he the coach that has written down everything ever? Yeah. Like, he yeah. has notes he's from his that. first day of, like, ever being a coach? Yeah, he's got, he's got them from every practice as a player in high school. He was an All-American football and basketball player in high school. He's got every practice. Holy cow. And every game plan. And then Indiana, Bob Knight. Isaiah Thomas, you know, he played with all kinds of guys. Yeah. Um, and uh, has everything from there. And then he went on to college, high, high school head coaching, and then college assistant, and NBA assistant, and NBA head coach. And he just, he's one of those guys that uh, he's an unbelievable friend to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've kind of built our friendship. Originally, it was just like, I need you to come up here and help me with this professional basketball league we're starting in Canada just like minor league basketball, which is complete chaos, but I need your help in your organization and, and you're a young guy with no family. I want you to come up here and basically just work your butt off. Yeah. And uh, so that's how our relationship started. And, and since then, that was four years ago. We built a friendship since then. Yeah. And that was um, 2015, somewhere in there? Yeah, yep, 2015. Okay. Um, but he's one of these guys that, like, he didn't even really have a childhood. Like, I don't know how you grew up, but, like, I goofed around until I was, like, 20. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I didn't decide like, about I, post-career life until, like, May right. of my senior year in college. Right. Like, nobody pressed me to make any really hard, tough decisions right. until I was, I was just lucky. Like, I just had yep. great parents and great family and just, like, you know, very little worries. Um, but Butch came from, he's one of seven children. Um, it's just him, just the mother raising them. And so he, like, he's the oldest so like yeah he's telling me stories like he's like 14 and he's like mowing every yard in the neighborhood and taking that money and bringing it to his mom so they can buy like more oatmeal to feed the kids like is that is he chris carter's brother yeah he's chris carter's oldest. oh my god i didn't even put two and two together keep going i'm an idiot yeah so so he like uh he just never let himself be a child and like He's never had, like, uh, like immature thoughts, I don't think. He's just always been, like, i yeah. got to get this done. And I, if I'm not doing it right, i got to learn what I'm doing wrong and fix it. Yeah. It's, like, process improvement from day one. Yeah. And uh, so he was just phenomenal for me to just meet and be around. Because I was so hungry for, like, how do they do it at the highest level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, he showed me exactly what I had hoped it was and then some, like, you know, it is so detail-oriented. You can't waste anybody's time. You know, your player development plans, your practice plans, your game plans, your road trips, everything's planned out to a T, and there's purpose and reason behind all of it. Yeah. You can explain why. Because these players that you're going to be working with at the highest level are guys that have had great coaches all along, and they've always done everything they can to get better, and you've got to come to them with, this is what we're doing today, and this is why it's going to help you. All right, let's go. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if you're not if you're not really prepared to say why, they're going to snip it out, and you're done. You'll be out. You'll have no chance. And I think you and I uh, might have discussed that exact point in Phoenix. I was talking about David Adelman, who's been on the podcast, friend of mine with the Nuggets, who echoed the exact same thing you're saying about, hey, listen, there's no phonies in the NBA because if you yep. can't prove that you can help me be better and help us win, you're out. There's, we don't, they don't got any time for the fluff or the and I don't and I don't want to paint college basketball in a negative light because obviously I'm in it but you, you can't get away with being oh he's pretty good at clapping his hands and being a motivator that shit don't work yeah. right at the highest level like no. you better know why the hell you're no. telling him to do a pin down drill this way yep 
No, it's a, I mean, that's part of the job description. And I think that's why some a lot of guys that are in college love it. It's there. There's a lot of that job requires being a babysitter. Yeah. In, a, in some form or fashion, and then because you're responsible for somebody's child. Yeah. Um, and then a salesman. You have to sell tickets. You have to sell to alumni. You have to sell to donors. You have to sell to the athletic department. You have to sell to the board of trustees. You know, you have to you know put forth an image of what you're building and, and why. Yeah. And uh, that's just not the case in NBA. They don't care. It's just basketball. Yeah. Um, and so I, I love that aspect of it, but. Um, so he got you into that the job with the head guy in the Canadian League for that team? Yes. Yeah, so okay. My first year, I was director of operations for the league, and that was like getting facility agreements for practice facilities, game facilities, um, getting housing, uh, setting up all the like visa, passport, borders, customs. Oh, God. Uh, yeah. Stuff, which is a headache. Um, and then, you know, setting up all these tryout camps in the States and in Canada. And then getting all the players to come up and then, you know, going through the rounds of cutting the players and signing them and then helping hire coaches. And then at that point, I got my own team. And uh, that was 2017-18 season when we launched the league. I got a chance to be a head coach and absolutely loved it. Yeah. Uh, I had a complete, it was an absolute dream come true. We had a ball. I was fortunate. It was only a four-team league, so it was a really small, um, kind of a tight-knit development yeah, league. Yeah, yeah. Uh, of mostly mid-major college basketball players that were one or two years removed from college basketball and were just trying to get another season and get some film and then uh, take it to another league, hopefully to get paid more. Um, but we played FIBA rules, and uh, you know, you're playing 40 other teams about eight times each. <laughs> so you better have some tricks. I mean, the, you better have something. Blood, uh, I mean, they were bloodbath. <laughs> so... Uh, but it was a lot of fun, yeah. and unfortunately, we didn't get we didn't secure the long term funding that we had been promised. And uh, it's just it's minor league professional sport, right? It's totally crazy, and it's uh, everybody is basically volunteering and working hundred hour weeks, and uh, it's because they love basketball and they love sports and they love you know being in that environment. And uh, I wouldn't trade it for the world, but um, it was just a great great yeah. experience for me. And uh, from there. About 2016, actually, while we were building the league, we started, um, uh, Butch got asked, Coach Carter got asked by his former teammate with the New York Knicks, uh, Roy Sparrow, who was a great uh, okay. NBA player for a long time and played at Villanova. He's been working in the NBA's player development department as a VP, and um, he kind of runs this assistant coaches program, and he's like, you know, we need to kind of beef up the coaching side of this. So we're going to bring in my old friend, Coach Carter. Coach uh, brought me right along with him, and we just jumped into it head first. It's kind of like our off-season project uh, for the last four years now. And without the Canadian Basketball League the last year and a half, almost two years now, that that's, this, that's all we've done. Mm -hmm. And um, we've really focused on building it and improving it. Uh, like I said, Coach Carter is all about process improvement and uh, kind of just test, measure, and improve. And uh, we, we built a really solid coaching program for these former players, uh, both NBA former players and WNBA former players that want to transition into coaching. Um, we really give them the real deal when we have them for six months. Tailored to former players, which is uh, slightly different than what you or I are used to. Like, you know, you or I we jump into coaching on like a graduate assistant or voluntary or, you know, a video coordinator and we can learn how to do the video yeah, yeah. over the, over the course of a year or we can learn, you know, we can watch the coaches do this stuff. And, and we're so crazy about coaching. We're in our early twenties and we can learn and build um, our career that way. But these guys are in, and girls that are in our program, uh, women, I should say, they're in their, mid to late 30s or mid to early 40s and they've retired they have finished raising their kids or whatever it is they're doing in their personal lives and now they want to get into coaching but they're i mean most people have a 20 plus year head start on them right so right understanding the coaching side of things and learning how that business works and the skills needed for it um so we have six months to basically cram in several years worth of teaching um, and it's geared towards, like I said, a former player that's used to 
doing it on the court at the highest level, and now we have to kind of shift them to understanding how to go about doing the office work, how about doing the video work, how to organize your practice plans and your player development plans and game plans. And uh, it, it's been an interesting, and uh, it's different for me because I don't have an actual team of players or former players. Right, so right. I, I kind of think of them as the players, and I'm helping coach yeah. the team, and we're, we're setting up a game plan for them and trying to help them improve. And uh, I mean, I'm, I learn more from them than they learn from me. I know that. I'm, I'm picking up stuff from them constantly. Uh, but it's been awesome. I mean, it, it gets... Selfishly for me, it gets me access to um, all the NBA off-season events. So we go to Portsmouth, we go to Chicago, um, we go to Vegas, we go to Chicago again. And are you taking the, the, the 10 coaches with you there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so usually we take all 10, uh, like all 10 come to Portsmouth, and then the top eight come to Chicago. And then, oh, wow. Uh, you know, it, it kind of is like a... It's like a funnel. I don't want to call it like... Yeah, a little bit. It's yeah. not like Survivor Island, but like we're giving them, <laughs> we're giving them the homework assignments all summer. Like, hey, you've got Long Island Nets versus uh, Rio Grande Valley Vipers, uh, game three of the finals in the G League. Scout it, send us the report. Yeah, uh, by like you know Tuesday. Right, and so they would have to jump on and do these homework assignments throughout the summer, uh, each week really, and. Um, you know, the ones that were really diligent about it would kind of get more points. You know, we have some kind of system set up for, you know, who's done the most homework, and then you kind of balance it with who do we think is going to be the best fit with a team and, and who's got the best chance of being a coach. And, uh, the goal is to get all of them a job. It's hard. It's very hard because none of them have the built-in relationships. They, they have relationships with coaches that they play for. Yeah. But as you as you know, it's, it's very few players that just go right into coaching right you know there's usually you know you gotta be an intern or you gotta do some kind of uh you know volunteer something or, or build the relationship and the trust of the coach that you're willing to get into this profession and do the coaching um so this year has been our best by far we've had uh we, we uh, you know tweaked the program and centered it more around the video stuff like um, synergy fast draw that type of yep. stuff okay synergy fast scout fast draw Sports Code, Game Breaker, uh, which is now, I guess, Huddle bought then. Uh, maybe it was a year and a half ago or so. But um, all the video, game film editing, how to put together a uh, scouting report, how to put together the practice plan, how to organize your player development plan. Uh, these, these men and women are so good on the court. They know exactly what you know what your mentality needs to be and then typically what you need to be able to do on the court yeah to play at the highest level so that stuff is ingrained in them and they're just as good as any coach in the country at doing that stuff we just try to um organize their thoughts and make sure that they mm-hmm. have a plan mm-hmm. so when they walk into the gym they're like you know they got their sheet and then they just go boom 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 right down the list and they know how to implement their game plan or their, their player development plan um because that, that's really their skill, and it's just, just kind of honing that craft a little bit more, and yeah. then we add the video stuff on top of it, so now if they get placed with the Julie team, and they say, hey, you, we need you to scout the Texas Legends, they can say, all right, great. Yeah. Now, I already got you know stuff that they were running last year, but I can update it with what they're doing this year, and right. the roster this year, and I know how to cut the film, I know how to put it together, and I know how to do the scouting report, and present it, and so it's just, uh, it's been neat to see a lot of them get that coaching bug and then jump into it and have some success so it's been cool there's a great article and i'll link it when we when i put the podcast up you know with, with, with the talk with coach kelly but it's on front office sports about the acp great background yeah, yeah, information that, i think butch is quoted in here a bunch coach carter's in here a yeah. bunch um it just yeah, really so leaves it out and, yeah that guy came that uh, journalist came and sat with us for a few days um and just sat in on the meetings and he just basically did the program with us. Yeah. And he's like, wow, you know, this is intense. And we're like, yeah, well, you know, Rory Sparrow who leads the program. He's trying to get bigger and better names to come in because it'll bring more, more notoriety to the program and, um, and kind of raise the level of awareness of it. Um, so this is, it was good to have some, uh, a journalist actually come in and see what we were doing. Right. You know, there's been a couple that have written about some of the uh, candidates that we've had, but none of them have actually come and sat and, you know, gone through the synergy meeting and then 
gone through the scouting report homework and then watched him present the scouting report and then watched us critique it and help him get better at it. And uh, it's just a, it's a painstaking long process. There's a lot of long days in the summertime. But, yeah. You know, but it's about testing these guys. Like, you really want to get into coaching? Yeah. So let, it, this is this is required of you. Uh, right. There's, there's a great article in uh, Sports Illustrated about Doc Rivers and Tyron Liu where, you know, Ty Liu is getting into coaching and Doc's like, all right, Here's your project for the off season. You don't get to leave. You know, you're not going home to visit your family. You're staying here. I want you to do a scouting report on every single team in the league. Um, <laughs> and it's just like, but Doc knows. He said it in the article. Like, I'm doing this for your benefit because this is how it's going to be for you. This is the work that's required. And yeah, uh, and, and that's what the, there's a, a knock on a lot of former players that oh they don't understand. They don't know the the commitment to doing the film or doing the scouting or doing the, the office work yeah. or, or kind of, you know, staying late and feeding shots to players or shagging rebounds or whatever it might be. Yeah. And they don't understand the commitment that it takes. And, and that's what we've, we've tried to gear the program towards is just like, let's throw as much as we possibly can at them. If they don't like it, then they'll back out. And that's actually good for both of us. Right. Because then they're, they're, you know, moving on to a different career path and, and they're not going to hurt us. And, we're not wasting our time, but for the most part, all of them just, you know, they're all basketball chunky to begin with, and they just jump into it, yeah. and uh, we get a chance to Has a, a byproduct of it helped keep you sharp in some of these things, yeah. too, for your own career? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because I want to work at the highest level, this is my entry point. This is the way I can get to these events and meet these people. So, you know, I just kind of accept that this is kind of my path right now. Yeah, and it has it's kept me incredibly sharp. I do, you know, I've scouted every single G League team, every NBA team, um, watched you know as many games as I possibly can. Uh, we, we try to get on the court with the with the coaches in our program, so we'll get local high school kids from Portsmouth, Virginia, and we'll rent out a gym for two days, and we'll bring the kids in, and we'll do drills with them, we'll do practice plans, we'll do uh, we'll simulate a walkthrough before a game. Uh, and so it gets me a, a small opportunity to get on the court with the other coaches and mm-hmm. do stuff. Um, but I definitely miss the uh, going to practice every day right. and, and gearing up for games and things like that. But right now, I just have a chance to kind of live vicariously through our candidates once they get jobs. And, right. Uh, it's been it's been fun to see them get the bug and uh, and jump off and go after it a little bit and, and kind of express their passion through coaching, which they're they haven't done in the past. When you were first describing this, like I was super jealous of like, I mean, this is, it exists for, you know, a guy like me, I've been a head coach for 11 years. I would love to be drilled like this. You know what I mean? Like even we all, you know, you want to be a, prof- a career learner. You never want to get to the point where you feel you know everything, obviously. But like just being like, hey, you're going to come to a week of camp of coaching. You know, I think it's a phenomenal program you guys got set up. I don't think a, a lot of us that are in the industry still, I'm not sure how many of us do it enough. Like, hey, my practice is, is my player development plan married to what we're going to run, which has got to be based on who we have. You know what I mean? Like all yeah. these things you're teaching them are so valuable, but also I think a lot of us need a refresher. Like somebody, please watch me not like install this. Tell me, am I talking too much? You know, like talk to yeah. reps ratio is big for us, but that's coming from a point of, I think we're just too wordy. You know, so how are we going to yeah. do that? So I, I'm very jealous of that. I think it's an amazing thing that probably not a lot of people consider that are have jobs. Like, how am I getting better? Yeah. No, I mean, I think anybody that excels in any profession, they, be, they are lifelong learners. They're committed to expanding and growing and challenging themselves. And I, I totally agree with you. Um, Coach Carter is, is getting ready to launch a website called um, – Analytics for coaches. Analytics, analytics and then four is the actual number four. So okay. analytics for coaches.com. Um, and that's going to be our, it'll actually be our assistant coaches program that we do for the NBA. Um, we're going to be taking it and offering it to college and you know assistant coaches nice. all over the country. The Bearcats are um, in. They are in. Willamette is in. Yeah, so, <laughs> um, and I'll get you more information on it, and I'll send you some of the stuff we've worked on already, just so you can take a look. But it'll be uh, it'll be exactly what you're talking about. It'll be uh, helping coaches stay sharp, you know, predominantly for assistant coaches that mm-hmm. want to get head coaching jobs. Right. 
Um, and it'll be everything from organizing their practice and game plans and player development plans to helping them with their interview process and with their presentations. Um, uh, but it, it'll be ran through, uh, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with a software called Just Play. Yep. Sports software. Yes, yes. Um, so we, it's typically it's used by coaches to help train their players, whether it be on the playbook or on the scouting report. Um, and, and we've actually worked with them to alter oh, that's their huge. software a little bit to work with, you know, from us to other coaches yeah. and allow us to, to help other coaches, whether it be with terminology or, or per, player personnel stuff. Um, but, you know, that, that's in the works, and, and it's something we've been developing um, for the last six months, really, since um, since April. Yeah. Um, so. As you've gone through the program, do you think back to your, you know, your first couple of years coaching? And I do this now too, without even having, you know, the the program you do. Like, my God, what was I doing? You know, my first, yeah. you know, I think back to my first year as a head guy. If I could get in a, a time machine and go back and say, dude, this is stupid. What you're doing? Not just not yeah. the scheme. Like how you're trying to be a coach is just idiotic. <laughs> I mean, yeah. and then you're in oh, it yeah. coaching coaches, so I'm sure you might have flashbacks of, wow, that was me. Yeah. Yeah, and I, and I think uh, meeting Coach Carter was a, a blessing for me because he was like, he's like, dude, listen, you need to become a head coach immediately. I don't care what level it's at. If it's with me, great. But if it's at a high school level, if it's at a elementary school, up here, go do it because that's the best way yeah. you can possibly learn is having to make decisions and then having to deal with the consequences of those decisions, whether they be good or bad. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think that's the best way to learn, and it's just, I I played for Coach Patos, who was a Gary Williams guy. So we basically did everything that Maryland did. Okay. Um, so it's flex offense. Yep. It was fifty-five press defense. Um, you know, color coordinated on all our defensive calls um, in terms of ball screen coverages and things like that. And you know, some different wrinkles off of the flex. So like, I had an idea for how you build a college program from him. Yeah, and there's definitely things in my own mind where I'm like, I would change this, I would change that, and me just being a, a cocky young guy. But <laughs> all uh, of us, yep. You don't. Nothing comes to fruition until you're sitting in front of a group of players, eight or ten of them, and they're looking at you like, "What are we about to do today in practice? And what, what what's the game plan going to be like? And how are you going to help us look good so we can get paid more money because you guys aren't paying a shit?" Right. And so that is the real challenge. And once you start doing that and get some reps in. Then you start to like, I mean, I, I caught myself, I mean, I, I couldn't go to sleep at night until I had an excellent practice plan for the next day. <laughs> yeah. Everything was thought out. Everything was down to the second. You know, what time were we getting in the bus to head over there? What time were we leaving? Are we going to get a meal before or after? Yep. Does a certain guy need a little more love tomorrow? Does a certain guy need a little more criticism? You know, does he need to shape him up a little bit more or give him a little more coaching? Uh does somebody need more shots up or does somebody need to work on their handle more or whatever it might be. But like once I did that, whatever time that was, then I could close my eyes and get sleep and I feel good about waking up the next day and getting right into it. Right. And start um, it all over again. Yep. Yeah, exactly. But I, I totally agree with you. I mean, it, it's just good to a lot of coaches get jobs because they work for somebody else that did, had success. Like we talked about with Shaka Smart or yeah. with Gary Williams or anybody else for that matter. But once you go somewhere else, it's a different situation, just like we talked about VCU. It's not Maryland. It's not VCU. So you have a different AD. You have a different facility. You have a different president. You have different players on your roster. You have different resources. So it can't just be a blueprint that this is how I coach because this yeah. is how I was taught and right. this is how I'm going to do it everywhere I go. Now, you can take values with you. You can take um, you know, a, a certain culture or environment that you want to create but you still have to create it and you still have to use what you have around you, uh, you know, to, to put something out there. So I think, I think it'll be good. The analytics for coaches site will be really helpful for, oh, sounds the, amazing. for head coaches for that matter. But just to, like you said, stay sharp, challenge themselves. Uh, you know, what are you doing after timeouts? What are you doing to start the game? Uh, you know, what are you doing coming out of halftime? Are you practicing these things on a daily basis? Yep. Because, if you have a practice plan that you got from your coach and he did that 30 years ago and he got it from somebody else that was doing it 20 years, like <laughs> you're practicing like they did in like the 70s. Right, right. And not that they weren't doing brilliant stuff in the 70s. Like we heard about Hubie Brown from uh, Coach Earl Watson at camp. And 
I love it. I absolutely love Hubie Brown. I study all of his stuff. But it's a new day. And yeah. You've got to have your own stuff. Right. Like, if you're not comfortable doing, you can't do Hubie's practice plan. you got to do your own. Yep. But it's got to be geared towards the young person of today. Coach Watson said it great. You've got to go meet the player where they're at. And as much as you might disagree with how a 16- or 17-year-old kid acts or sees the game, it doesn't help you. You've got to go meet that kid where he is level with them, get them to understand what's going to help them, um, and then coach them up and, and get them to play the style of play you think will be successful for them. What is next for you, Coach, when we wrap up here? Where are you headed? Where can people look for you? Uh, how can they stay up to date with you? Um, I, you can follow me. I don't do a whole lot of social media. I try to stay off it, but I do. I am on Twitter, uh, at Coach G. Kelly, and I, I mostly just retweet cool articles that I see and, mm-hmm. uh, and try to just find stuff that I like and send it to other people um, and support some of our candidates. Uh, we got about another two weeks left in August, and that'll be our time frame for uh, finishing up the assistant coaches program. We've got um, one candidate that's been hired already with the Erie Bayhawks, which is that's the awesome. uh, New Orleans Pelicans. Yeah. New Orleans Pelicans affiliate this year before they moved to Birmingham. Uh, her name is Mary Andrade. She's from Portugal, and she played in the WNBA for a long time, had a great career, and was most recently an assistant with the University of San Diego on the women's side. Okay. She just made the jump to the men's side. Um, but we have uh, probably three or four more candidates that are going to land somewhere here in the next two weeks. So mm-hmm. it'll be, uh, we'll be focused on that and just making sure they land on their feet with a good program and then uh, just kind of wrapping up with the rest of the candidates and making sure everybody's on the same page and, and what their plan is for uh, improving during the season if they're with a the team, how, how to help add the most value. If they're not with a team, how they can continue their coaching journey and, and keep getting better. Uh, we're going to launch this website, Analytics for Coaches, probably uh, in September. Um, I'll go live with it, and I'll, I'll definitely keep you and, yep. uh, and everybody else. With, for sure. Coach Chad and everybody else in the loop with that. Um but, hey, the Bearcats uh, get it first of, before Murray. Before PLU gets right. it, we get a week with it. <laughs> I'm going to text Absolutely. him. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, but no, I, I'll try to, um, if I can get an opportunity with an NBA or G League club, I'll take it. But um, my, my focus is more for the candidates right now and making gotcha. sure they're ready. Um, so I'll, I'll write it out for the end of August and then kind of see where I'm at. And part of the reason why I don't have a family is because I have to be nimble, and I, that's kind of like one of my values that I can add. Like, hey, I can. You can you be. Me, you can be there tomorrow. Exactly. You want me to be in Chicago in the morning? I can get there. So. Yeah. Um, that's kind of where I'm at right now, and I'm just, um, you know, fortunate and lucky to be involved with a bunch of people, uh, family, friends, and loved ones, and mentors that they want to see me succeed, and then are pushing for me and rooting for me and doing everything they can to help me, and, and I just I'm a lucky guy, so. No, I appreciate you coming on, Coach. Phenomenal story. Really cool to hear all the experiences you've had, and um, you know, just trying the fact that you're still you. Even though you know, obviously, we all have aspirations in our career. You've always you sounds, and and I've been around you where it's about the player. It's about your current assistant coaching crop that you're trying to help them push forward. And ultimately, as a coach, that's our job, right? To get everybody else to look awesome. So absolutely, I think uh, I think that the coach's job is to help others. And whether it be in a teaching role or in a mentoring role or, or just spending time or, or giving back any way you can, it, it's worth it. And when you see other people succeed, it, it makes you feel good. Yep. Um, and I wanted to say, I want to definitely give you a shout out because at that camp, I had kind of got caught up in my own stuff. Like, man, it's hot. Man, we're walking a lot. <laughs> and my players aren't listening to me. Um, you know, and we're volunteering, doing the BAM stuff, but we started getting a little silly with it, and then uh, doing Station 13 I thought was good, but but you getting the guys organized at night. You know, that was and, fun, uh, wasn't it? The sharing, just the knowledge sharing? Yeah, I was kind of quietly complaining to myself, like, man, the NCAA doesn't know what they're doing. They should have a cooler full of beer and some pizza yep. for these coaches at night and let them kind of chop it up. And, and I shouldn't have been complaining. I should have helped you but you you took the bull by the horns and that was awesome oh, I, and, I just uh, i gotta really steal cool smart stuff from smart people coach that was, that was my whole plan 
Let me steal from all yeah. these people with better records than me. Um, but hey, I appreciate you, man. I hope to bring you back on the podcast, and we'll, we'll catch up with where you're at uh, later on in the year. But thanks for coming on, boss. Uh, thank you, coach. Take care. Content reminder, the opinions expressed on the Cross the Streams podcast are those of the host and the guests alone and do not reflect the opinions of the institutions, universities, or businesses that employ the hosts or the guests. Shine. I'm just keeping my shine